how, uh... Hey, hang on, you're taking my time up. You're taking my time up. How are you? You sound like you've had too many M&Ms, actually. Especially you. You're doing well. It's so great to be back with you. And uh, um, my, I, I've, I so enjoyed our time uh, with the church family and this amazing family. We've fallen in love with the... Uh, uh, with the, the, the Thorpes, we're just the kids and and uh, and Caroline and, and you know Christian's okay too and uh, uh, and I just had to bring my wife back and so we're on the start. You've you've copped us on the freshest end of a month's journey. So we literally arrived in London a couple of days ago. Had time with our daughter Leah and her husband and uh, and make sure you get my good side. Actually, it's just it's it's that one. Excuse me. Um, <coughs> And uh, we, we actually, we had a great time down there, uh, but we, we, we go from here, uh, have it, we, we've got some time with some of the, uh, the zone leaders, the pastors of the AG uh, UK uh, over the next couple of to- uh, days, uh, got some time with the leaders here and staff, and, uh, and then we go to Holland, and then got a week in Holland doing a couple of conferences and things there, uh, and then to Ireland. And then my wife goes back home and I continue around to the US and work with, I think, four or five uh, churches that we're working with over there before we get home. But we've had a grandson, I think, since I saw you last. Well, I think he was born when I was here or around that time. And so I was crying all the time because he was born there and I was uh, away and so forth. But I have now held him pretty much every hour that they let me uh, since then. And it's been absolutely wonderful. Why don't you give my wife a, a great welcome as she comes up to say hi. Well, Arena, this is just an absolute pleasure to be here because I've heard so much about you, particularly the Thought family, and how wonderful they were. And, I, and now I'm seeing for myself what a great congregation of people you are, yeah. a great community. So the two <laughs> campuses, and, and we are thrilled to be here and to be meeting so many of you and, and also, you know, telling everyone about our grandchild. So the best thing in the world, as I said this morning, is being a grandparent. I thought it was the best thing was being a, a girl. A wife? A girl. And, then, sorry, then, then, wife. and then a wife. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, a mother. And now a, a grandmother. Yes. And, and it's just absolutely the best thing. And a wife. It's fantastic being a wife. <laughs> it's a bit selfish, but yeah, being grandparents is even better, right, it is, honey? Yeah. Darling, it's so we we are looking forward to more Great of these little, little well. people in our life. And what? <laughs> so I'm going to let him have the microphone because he obviously needs to speak. So wow. we'll, we'll let him do that. Wow. All right. Backhand. <laughs> Give my wife a hand. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> hey, it's not unusual. It's not unusual when. We have the privilege of ministering. Because we've been doing this for about 30 years or so, uh, I've, got, I've got, to be honest, I've got some cracker messages stored up. And uh, if I must say so myself, you know, uh, give yourself a rap, right? No, but I have. But I, I, I really felt distinctly, and I said this to the, the crew at Ilkerson this morning, that um, this is a fresh word. I've literally only spoken it once. That was to, earlier today. And uh, I'm going to morph it a little bit. I know there's some folk that were here this morning. And, uh, and so no, no nodding off on me or, uh, or preaching it for me. Uh, but I just, I just really, I get excited when God does that. You know, sometimes I'll push back on him. But, uh, you know, you never win. So it's really, you know, not worthwhile doing. Um, but 
I know God wants to speak some things. And at the start of a new year, I mean, I spend a lot of time with pastors and leaders talking about structures and systems and strategies and how-tos. Um, this is not a how-to message. This is a, an impartation message. In fact, at the end of the message, I'm going to prophesy over you about 2016. Not directively. I'm not sending anyone to India or anything like that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to prophesy. And now there'll be some of you when I do that, that'll go, oh, it'll go straight through to the keeper. But there'll be others here who'll, who'll, who'll rise up and grab a hold of that by faith. And literally it will launch you into a new season for 2016. So I actually, at the outset of tonight, I want to, I want to pray and I want to ask God to, to work with us. The Bible says that God partners with us, uh, with the Word. Uh, it's not all the Holy Spirit. God uses people. He will use you to speak to a friend or a family member. He happens to be using me tonight because I've got the, the microphone. But it's, God is wanting to speak something into your heart. And, and the Bible makes it very, very clear that the way that the word accomplishes things in our lives is as it is mixed with faith. The Bible, in fact, a very sad portion in Hebrews, it says the word did not accomplish anything because it was not mixed with faith. I'm not going to believe for that tonight. I'm going to believe for a number of faith-filled people to rise up and grab a hold of God's word. So let me just pray for you right now and pray for God's word. Father, I thank you that you've brought us here from Australia tonight, Lord, to do something faithfully and obediently with you. Lord, I thank you that your word's going to go forth into the hearts of every single individual here. It will not return void because they will grab it by faith. Father, we thank you that your word is going to take root in the lives of people in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, I, I, I love life. I, I, I live a, we live a large, loud life. That's why we get on with these guys, the family. Uh, my wife came from, um, uh, we've been married 32 years, and uh, she came from a, a family of two, reasonably quiet. It was quite a quiet house. Uh, I was brought up with, as, as part of seven kids, and we were just loud all the time. So our family has taken more on the loud side, one would have to say. And so when Andy, uh, Leah's husband, first was introduced to our family, uh, it, was, it, was like, it was like shock and awe. It was like, you know, whoa! Um, and it's been a bit the same with Bindi, uh, who's Ryan's wife and has just given us our first grandson. Did we tell you we had a grandson? Uh, and, uh, and then this, this Christmas holidays, we had... We had Elise come back from Los Angeles. Our youngest daughter lives there, as I mentioned last time, with her boyfriend. Uh, so he, she met a guy in LA, and he's very funky and very cool. And uh, you know, and and but he was exposed to the Murphy, uh, um, you know, A380 uh, engine kind of, and uh, he survived so far. I didn't hear of any deaths or anything like that. He's okay, I think, you know. And so, um, but, but life is great. And, and I love preaching. I love uh, serving God. Um, th- but there's a whole lot of things I'm not, I don't love. I, I'm not good at. 
Um, and I hate to com- negatively confess, I, I, I'm not, I don't really like gardening all that much. I'm sorry. If you're a gardener, God bless you. Uh, I've got, you know, an orange thumb and a red one, but not a green one. And, uh, um, and uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not really a handy man or handy person. If you're a handy man, if you're, you know, like someone that's good with their hands and in terms of building things is what I'm saying. What is that what you, the term you use here? Handyman? If, are you a hand, if you're a handyman, give me a wave right now. A handy, handy person, handy woman up there, great, yes, yeah, yeah, really? You're kidding me or are you right? Yeah, yeah he's, having, he's having a land, he's having a land. I am not a handyman. In fact, I so tried, we kind of renovated a lounge room one time and that worked okay. But before that, we had a very first, very small home. This home was about three, four steps from the front door to the back door. Is that an exaggeration? Four or five steps from the front door to the back door. Like it was a small house. You had to go outside to change your mind. It was so small. Uh, you know, it was so small you couldn't swing a cat. I tried it. It, wasn't, it was a messy outcome, you know. Um, but but it, was, it was a tiny house. And, uh, but we tried to do up the kitchen. And as part of that exercise, we did okay. But I decided I was going to put up some shelves. My wife used to travel as a flight attendant for Qantas. So she traveled all around the world, well and truly before I was on the scene, and had, and had collected these prize bits of pottery, some from, some from uh, England, Willow kind of stuff. Is it Willow? Yeah. What? China, yeah. was from China? Oh, sorry, it's Willow's China. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, it says Delft pottery. I got that right. And all different sorts of pottery, right? And so I, I decided I wanted to have something to, to exhibit my wife's prize pottery. And so I built this shelf in the kitchen. Well, I didn't really build it. I, it was kind of one of those just, you know, all you've got to do is take it out of the packet and, and drill it in, you know. And uh, my, my mother-in-law actually was sitting underneath the... the you're, going, you're going way ahead of me here. <laughs> my mother-in-law was sitting underneath this, this shelf that I built with all of Valerie's prized pottery on it. We, were, we had an electrical storm outside. And it was a little house, and so when the thunder would go, the whole house would shake. And uh, I'd say my mother-in-law was underneath the, the, the shelf. Well, what happened was it did shake, and the shelf came down. Fortunately, my mother-in-law, she was quick off the mark, and uh, she actually got out of the way, and so it didn't kill her. And uh, um, she did later die, but not of that. And uh, she's a beautiful lady. I have no problems with her mother-in-law at all. I... I I've got no mother-in-law jokes whatsoever. In fact, she was a beautiful lady, and I'm getting the look. So she, she was the best mother-in-law I ever had. And, uh, but anyway, what came down crashing on the floor was all Valerie's prized pottery. And we didn't win any uh, awards for that on that particular occasion. Um, not, to be, not to be deterred, I decided that the toaster, which had blown up one day... Uh, would probably be pretty simple to fix. I knew it had blown up because a flash went out the side of it and uh, I, I, I unplugged it duh, uh, and I, I, I pulled the side off and I looked and there was a simple case of one of the wires that disconnected. There was a fair bit of uh, charcoal around the particular scene. So I just cleaned it up. I actually bared back the wires and, uh, and, and my wife had a word of knowledge from the other room when she realized what I was doing. She said, put some rubber-soled shoes on. So I, I, okay, whatever. So I put some rubber-soled shoes on. I fixed it back up. It looked like brand new. 
I plugged it in, turned it on. Next thing I realized, my back hit the wall on the other side of the kitchen. And I was laying there just like just an absolute mess. Uh, and uh, this, my heart was going 10 to a dozen. And, uh, and uh, you know, just, it took me a while to recover. Eventually, I had a shower, and, which is, you know, because what you do when you nearly just died. And, uh, <clears throat> and when I was in the shower, I felt the Holy Spirit just whisper to me, not audibly, but just in my heart. He said, my power is a bit like that. He said, that electricity runs through those walls, well, through the, the wires in the walls. And uh, you, you don't even give it a second thought. But he said, sometimes... A shock is what's necessary to remind you of the awe of the power that lies therein. I want to talk to you tonight about shock and awe. Shock and awe. Come with me to Genesis chapter 28. It's amazing how words can change definition over time. In fact, the editors of the great um, dictionaries will tell you that they actually change definitions to keep up with contemporary um, sayings and, and the meanings of words. One good example, which is annoying me at the moment, in fact, I said it earlier on, is the word literally. Everything seems these days to be literally. And uh, I think one of your sports commentators, uh, what's, what's the, the footballer, Rooney? What's his? Wayne. Wayne. Was, was, Wayne was having such a blinder on the paddock. Uh, this guy said, Wayne, Wayne Rooney is literally on fire. I think your deputy prime minister, was it Clegg? Is he current or previous? Gone. He's gone. Okay. But when he was not gone, uh, he, he, actually, he actually was speaking about um, low-rate tax people. And he said, it's like they're literally on another galaxy. It's like the word literally has lost its meaning. It no longer. In fact, now, if you look in the dictionary, a new dictionary, a new version, you, it won't mean literally. It actually has the definition slightly different to literally. Over, over centuries, words change definition. Uh, the word addict, which is a sad word, the word that we attribute when someone is drug dependent, it didn't always start out like that. In fact, the word addict started out uh, for someone who was uh, a very a poor person who had gone broke and basically in order to repay their debts, they actually became a slave to the person uh, for, to whom they were a debtor. That was the word addict. They became an addict to that person. Then uh, through the, I think, 16th century, it actually uh, became uh, synonymous with um, someone who was uh, actually subjugated to a person or something. And of course, the contemporary definition, uh, and that came out in, mainly in the 1700s, I think morphine, whenever that was invented, people became addicted uh, to morphine, as we use the word now, and it said they were subjected to that particular substance. And now we use it uh, for no other reason than that particular thing. The word fantastic is another interesting one. If you said your husband or your wife this morning looked fantastic, well, that comes from the word, the French word, similarly sounding, called fantastique. And it literally means uh, 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 in, in fantasy only or, a, or only in the imagination. Unless your partner, your wife or husband looks like an avatar, uh, then it may not be a great choice of word. What I'm saying is words change over time. And, and the word awesome is one of those words. We were doing good with the word awesome. In fact, one of the first printings of the word awesome was with relation to God uh, in one of the first renderings of the Bible. 
Um, then the word terrible, uh, when it was not meaning what it means now, was repla- replaced that word awesome. God is terrible. So it didn't mean God was bad in the contemporary version, uh, meaning of the word. It meant it mean he was awe-inspiring, was the word original meaning of terrible. And then when the word terrible changed me- the meaning, the Bible translators had to find another word. And they, that awesome word is working well. So they substituted that in uh, because they didn't want God to be a terrible God. And, uh, and, then, and then in the, uh, I think, 1980s, there was a book called The, the Preppy Manual. The official preppy manual. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek manual for college students in the US. It came out with the definition of awesome as being something that was terrific and amazing. Well, it took off, and so we're left with a Bible which calls God awesome and a contemporary meaning that says awesome is just kind of all right or cool, and every second word that Christians use. Now, if it were only words, that would not be, a, not be too bad. But the truth is, some of us started out with a definition of our faith and a passion in our faith that has changed over time. It has been diluted. It has been dissipated. It has actually been mitigated. It has actually been discounted. To rather than when we, when we hear the word awesome, I want to talk to you tonight about shock and awe. Uh, if you're looking for another definition, anyone putting the awe back in awesome. Because I really believe that as I prayed about 2016, there are many things that, that uh, are happening in the world today. Uh, I think um, Consolidated uh, Press or Associated Press actually put out their top stories for 2015 in summary. And essentially, every one of the top six stories except for the the gay marriage issue was about violence or terrorism. It was France. It was the fear of terrorism. It was whatever. We're living in days. Now, that's the overt stuff. Then there's a whole lot of psychoterrorism uh, and, and even theological terrorism that's happening to undermine the very tenets of our faith. Um, we can continue to bump along the bottom. We can continue to be inoffensive and passive. But I believe that God is wanting us to rise up with a fresh sense of fervor. You know, in Matthew 11, the the scripture says, heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I don't want to take that verse out of context. It was just, as in the day of John the Baptist, John prepared the way. But if you look at that, and there is some contradiction or, or some difference in opinion. If you look at that and you mix it with the grace message. Now, what it's not saying is that in order to get into heaven, you've got to bust the door down. I'm not saying that. What it is saying, we're very clear in that. The scripture is so clear. Our salvation is based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's got nothing to do with our works. Having said that, if you look at that verse, it says, heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There are some that lean into the message, some who allow the message to take traction in their hearts. And I'm, I'm wanting to prophesy over a group of people tonight for 2016 who wouldn't be sitting back passive kind of people, but would understand the grace of God, understand the favor of God, understand the awesomeness of God, putting the awe back in awesome, and would actually be those who would be part of the violent crew who would take the kingdom of God by force in Jesus' name. That's the heart of God. 
That's the heart of God. Come with me to Genesis chapter 28. In verse, let me read you verse, uh, the, the background of the story is that Jacob's uh, having, a, having a sleep. In fact, he's been, he's been on the run thinking that his brother, had, whom he duped out of his birthright, is, is pursuing him. So there's unrest in his soul. He's, he's gone from a point where he was uh, really had an incredible destiny and favor and in a sense the peace of God over his life to the point where he's basically a fugitive. He's running here, there, busy as all get out, but really missing the essence of what's going on. He, it's at night time, he lays down, he has a rock, uses that as a pillar, a pillow, I'm sorry, and goes to sleep. Well, here's what happened in verse 16. It says, Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had, had put his head on and set it up as a pillar, so the pillow became a pillar, and poured oil on it. He named the place Bethel, house of God. Previously, it had been called, the city had been called Luz. Uh, Luz, another name for nuts. So from the house of nuts to the house of, house of God. <laughs> maybe nuts, you maybe used to go to that church some time ago. But, uh, um, and then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me uh, food to eat and clothing to put on uh, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth. You know, the scripture is full of exhortations to take a fresh look at who God really is. Um, It involves our transformation. Transformation is not so much dependent upon you. I know at this time of year we want to uh, engage in New Year's resolutions. And by now... Most of them could well have been broken for most of the people here. Because uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with setting a fresh sense of here's where we're headed. But the problem is if you're relying on your own smarts and your own ability to do that, it's simply not the Bible's way of transformation. We want to make progress. You, you know, no one here wants to be at the same place you are economically uh, now uh, as you w- will be at the end of the year. No one, I'm sure. No one wants to be at the same place in your marriage as you are now as you will be at the end. No one wants to be at the same place. We want to make progress. Uh, It's going to be one of the things I'm going to prophesy over you uh, just in a little moment at the end of the service, probably an hour and a half from now. And, And thirdly, we want fulfillment in our lives. God's portion for us is fulfillment. And all of those things are in that passage that we've just read. Let me, let me break this out a little bit for you. In, in verse 16, it says, Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome. Now, when you, he was rocked by this experience. This is not how awesome. This is not, oh, it's really awesome. My daughter lives in LA. Everything's awesome or like, it's like, it's like awesome, you know. Uh, it's not that kind of awesome. This is how awesome. How awesome, how awesome is this place? I, did, I didn't even realize it. 
Here's the truth about some of us here tonight. When you first came to Christ, when you first connected with him, it was awesome. Your sin was forgiven. You looked, around, you looked at people differently. There was a love in your heart for people that maybe you should never have had a love for. You know what I'm saying? It was like, wow. But over time, just like, yeah, well, come to church. I go to arena up there at uh, Mansfield. Yeah, it's great. It's good. Music's good. Great people. Yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, read the Bible. I used to do it every day. I do it every now and again. God's good. I'm going to heaven. He's here all the time. He's waiting for you every morning. But maybe some of you don't no longer realize that. And I want to put a, throw the gauntlet of challenge down at the start of this new year. I believe God wants to do really something extraordinary in you and for you. The Bible says very clearly, he, there was a worshipful response. Now, we don't always feel like worshiping. That's the truth. Sometimes worship is literally a sacrifice of worship. We've got to deny how our, what's happening in our emotions at that particular time, and we've got to push through. But something happens when we start to worship God. I remember there was a time back in the early days of Hillsong Church. We were actually still in the, I think, the school hall at the time. So it was very early days, and this guy who was, and his wife or partner were heroin addicts, and they got radically converted. Every week, Stewie would come up to me and it was like, wow, this is what God has spoken to me this week. I love Jesus, Pastor Mike. It's like, whoa, you know. And this one particular, how are you, Stewie? He said, oh, Pastor Mike, horrible. Jesus has left me. I said, what do you mean Jesus has left you? He said, oh, you know those feelings I had? Oh, they're gone. I just, Jesus is gone. I don't know what happened. I didn't do anything bad. I just, Jesus is gone. So God started to give me some wisdom for him. And I started to speak. And I, I, I realized I was speaking quite prophetically at the time. I said, Stu, there's a honeymoon period where the feelings are high. And then, and then sometimes God will, will allow you to start to walk by faith rather than your feelings. And I, you know, it's one of those ones you think, well, that was pretty good. That was better than me, you know. And used to where you're being a channel used by God at that moment. <laughs> I said, Stu... God's word, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Can I really encourage you? Now, here's where I was at at that time. I'm a pastor. Here's Confessions of a Pastor 101 right here. I was a, I'm a pastor. I was a pastor at that point in time. I need a young pastor. I haven't been doing all that long, but life had been uh, busy. We had some young kids at the time and working very hard. I was as dry as old boots on the inside spiritually. So I started to say to Stu, Stu, as you confess God's word, as you meditate on God's word, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. You can actually be full of God and, and, and God will kickstart something. As I'm saying that, the Holy Spirit says to me, yeah, what about you, bucko? He calls me bucko sometimes. And I realized I was, he nailed me. So I found myself on a railway station that week, still dry as old boots, and that thought came back to me. And so I was just standing, waiting for the train, minding my own business. And the verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength, came to my mind. So I just started, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The train went past. It was a train going past. It sounded like a rabbit. The joy of the Lord is, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy, before I 
realized that something, like it was several minutes, but something had kicked from my head to my heart. I was sensing the joy of the Lord all over me. I had a smile from ear to ear. It's a wonder people who are going past didn't say, hey, mate, can I buy something of what you're on? Because I was just full of God. There was a sense of the fresh awe of God that kicked through into my life. That's your portion. God, by his Holy Spirit, wants you to get a fresh encounter with the shock and awe of God. With a sense of he is absolutely, utterly magnificent and totally complete. And he loves you. So even when there's a sacrifice of worship, I mentioned before about transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, it says, as we behold him, we are transformed from glory to glory. As we behold him. Now, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how it works. I've got to be honest. As, as you think on Jesus, as you push in to a more intimate relationship with him, as you read the word and believe that it's for you, something, it's like the paddles of the Holy Ghost. They kick something fresh into your heart. He, his word says, you become transformed not by being really a better person. You, you are transformed not by really being a goody two-shoes. You are being transformed not by doing a list of the things that you are really bad at and you need to get better at. The Bible says you are transformed from glory to glory as you behold him in worship. And so I want to prophesy a, a, a season of transformation as you stop trying to be transformed and start to focus on the living God and how awesome he is. That's what the Bible says. Some of you got away from that simple truth of going, wow, God, you're amazing. Start the day with wow. Start the day with good morning, God. Not good God, it's morning. (laughs) Very different. God's heart. Is he might as he might transform you from the inside out as you behold him. I believe it's a real key to transformation as you engage, in, and even if it's a sacrifice of worship. Secondly, the Bible does talk about in, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says that the fear or the awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. And now wisdom's a great thing. Wisdom allows you to be able to know how to do stuff. In fact, what happened when he had that encounter, we've just read it, he then knew what to do. He had to take the pillow, put it upright, make it a pillar, and anoint it with oil. For you, wisdom is about standing up and being who God called you to be, about understanding the steps to take next. season of transformation as you behold him, I want to prophesy over you a great season of progress as you get a hold of God's wisdom. You know, Proverbs 15, I think verse 24, it says, the way of, the wi- of life winds upward for the wise. Winds upward for the wise. That's progress. God wants to transform you as you behold him. 
as you get a fresh glimpse of the awe of God. God wants to give you progress as you, as you get a hold of that, uh, that awe of God. That'll kick in some wisdom for you. And finally, the, the Bible makes it really, really clear that, that he then did something. He actually, when he, when, he, when he put that up, he started to confess. He says, this pillar that I've set up, this is none other. This is the house of God. And so he determines to start to build the house of God. And I believe something happens. You see, you know, Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully, or if you like, awesomely, wonderfully made. That my soul knows very, very well. Sometimes our soul forgets how wondrously made we really are. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, you are his workmanship. In other words, he, it's, it's literally the word for you are the, the work of the master craftsman. You are created by Christ, in Christ Jesus for good works. Here's how it goes. When you understand, wow, God, you're amazing. Wow, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? In order to do good works, when your wow meets God's wow, fulfillment kicks into your heart as you start to flow in the very thing that you were designed to flow in. You were not designed to sit on your rusty dusty and just come to church and fill a pew. You know, that's why they call them pews. Pew! It's a stinky Christianity. If you relegate yourself to a Christian means, I'm going to come to church, pastor. I'm going to even pray a couple of times. And I'm even going to tip you in the plate. And, uh, and, and that's Christianity. It's like, boo! No wonder you're miserable. You've lost the awe of God that'll actually propel you. Well, see, we don't work in order to please God out of an understanding we already please God. The overflow of our lives is why wouldn't we want to make ourselves available to serve God and to build his house? That's the kingdom of God. When you do that, when you kick in with that, not only fruitfulness, but fulfillment flows. If, you've got a, uh, if you're a runner and you never run, You'll be miserable. If you're a cyclist, I was with Chris, Jay's hubby, today at lunch, and he didn't recruit me to cycle, but he does a fair bit of cycling. And, uh, but imagine if he was not allowed to cycle. He would be miserable. Others here, you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you don't do the thing you're wired up to do, you're miserable. As a believer, you are called to build the kingdom of God. So you ready? Uh, so again, some, the, some of you, it'll go through to the keeper. <laughs> but others tonight, you're going to reach out and grab this by faith. I'm not going to talk in a funny accent, in a language. I don't have to do that to prophesy. But I believe I'm prophesying over you tonight. I declare over you tonight, amazing people of Arena Mansfield. I declare... 2016 to be a season of significant transformation from the inside out, the like that you have never seen before. As you behold him, as you put the awe back in awesome where God is concerned. I declare over you for 2016 to be a season of unparalleled progress in your walk with God. That as you rediscover the awe of God, that you'll know the wisdom 
of God at every turn. And the life that you lead will wind upward through that wisdom. I declare progress over you tonight. And I declare a season of unequaled fulfillment as you align your heart and life with God's very purpose for you. As you work knowing you're his workmanship. As you understand the reason that he created you was for good works. And so as you do that, and that happens not just in your head, but explodes by revelation in your heart, that this season will be your most fulfilling ever. For some here tonight, and the greatest thing that you could do would be to realign your heart with God's purpose. When I talked about bumping along the bottom, uh, you, you felt a sense of, well, that's me. When I, when I talked about just go through the motions, Christianity, it's not a condemnation thing. It's not like I don't want to make you feel heavy. I don't want to hang you by the feet over hell. I'm just saying there's a better way. Jesus has done it all. And tonight it would be an absolute joy for me. <clears throat> I was a young guy in my tw- 22 uh, years of age. It was you know, well over a decade ago now. And uh, I was tax, I was VAT. But I was, I was a drunk. I was getting drunk five, six nights a week, blind, rolling out of bars at 3 a.m. in the morning. I remember falling over one night and denting the, 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 the mudguard of my friend's VW car. I couldn't even remember it. I'm not saying that because I'm proud of it. I'm saying I was a young man that was full of self-destruction. I was sexually abused at 14 and had a teenage pregnancy by the time I was 18. My life was aimlessly... Yeah, if you're on the outside, I wasn't... I didn't have spittle all down my front. I hadn't, you know, I, I had a suit on. I was going to work during the day, but I was a mess on the inside. As a young man, I walked into a church, not too dissimilar to this, and I responded to Jesus Christ. Now, I could easily have said I was from a Catholic background. Oh, yeah, I'm a Catholic or whatever. I knew I didn't have... I knew it wasn't happening for me on the inside. I knew the relationship wasn't authentic. So tonight, I, I, I throw out the challenge. I want to I urge you with all the encouragement that's within me. That at the start of this new year, things can be different for you. The start of this new year, not out of anything you have done, but out of everything he has done. You, you might be... You might be 14 or you might be 83 here tonight. No one misses out. You might be single, married, a single parent. You might be in a relationship. You might be living with a partner. You might be struggling with all sorts of stuff. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And if I've come all the way from Australia just for you, then that's enough. That's that's worth it. Here's what I want to do. I want you to close your eyes, every one of you. I'm simply going to count to three. And every person here would say, Pastor Mike, I need to get my life right with Jesus. I've got to come back into that sweet spot that I know God wants me to dwell. Or maybe there's a couple here and you go, you know what? It's a long time since I've even prayed this prayer. Or maybe someone who's never acknowledged your need of Jesus personally. It'll be a great joy for me to pray for you just in the next couple of moments. You ready? Every eye closed, every head bowed. At the end of three, I want you to confidently and boldly just shoot your hand straight up in the air, say, Michael, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God. One, two, three. If that's you, lift it up right now. 
Wow, all over the place. Thank you, Lord. Just join those 18 people that have got their hand raised right now. If that's you, if you haven't raised it, but you know you want to. Thank you, darling. Anyone else, just before we pray? Thank you, sweetheart. I'm really glad we waited for you. Just before we pray together right now, is there anyone else? And you say, you know what, Michael, it's not happening for me on the inside. I'm going through the motions and I don't want to... Thank you up the back. That's great. Anyone else before? Thanks, buddy. Wonderful. (laughs) Arena Mansfield, my time's done, but let's just take a moment to pray just a really faith-filled prayer. I'm going to lead you line by line. Don't pray it to me. I can't help you, but I tell you what, Jesus is going to reveal his awesomeness to you in a very fresh and new way. Come on, let's pray. Let's not muck around here. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in the name of your Son, Jesus. Thank you for how awesome you are. Thank you for what you've created. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for dying on that cross. I receive your forgiveness right now. From my heart, with my mouth, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And with the help of your Holy Spirit, I want to live every day of 2016. For you. you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Come on. Thank God for each and every one of those people. I prophesied transformation. I believe this word for someone here is, is, is this year, some of those nagging things that have been hanging around, those besetting sins, those, that self-talk that you'd be embarrassed about if others knew. Uh, biggest single thing I've had to battle is insecurity in my ministry, particularly the first 15 or 20 years. I know that voice in the head. This year, transformed from the inside out. For some of you been stuck, this is a year of progress as you get a hold of the wisdom of God to know what to do next. For all of you, I believe this can be the most fulfilling year you've ever, ever had as you simply align. Don't get off your rusty dusty. Come on. Stop coming to church. Stop becoming the church. It's a difference. Stop coming to church. Pastor Christian Lee had a coronary right there. Don't don't tell him to stop coming to church. Start becoming the church. Come on, you are needed around here. There are thousands of people that we need to reach and we need your help to do that. You've been wonderful. Thank you for receiving the word. Really love being with you. God bless you.